All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you today. Everyone dry? Everyone safe? Everyone good? I was rolling in here, and I was like, it's a rainy morning. I'm curious today what your favorite rainy day activities are. For me, I would say that I would love to like just sit down and read a book by the fire, maybe play a board game. I know Austin would probably play his guitar on a rainy day. Aaliyah would probably do homework and catch up. What do you like to do on a rainy day? Let's stand together, share it with your neighbor. What do you do on a rainy afternoon? Ready, go. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So um, I'm up here to provide a council update. This is something we're going to start doing on a regular basis, about quarterly. Um, so here we go. Um, greetings on behalf of the Harder White Council. For those that don't know me, I'm Todd Boss. I'm currently serving as the Children and Youth Elder. Um, first, thank you for your time and attention for a few moments. Council has committed to a quarterly overall report on an ongoing basis, and this is the first of these updates. Council remains very privileged to be working together in unity as we seek to discern God's will for the future of Harderwike. It is also a joy to work together with the staff, planning and setting goals, direction, and looking at new ministry opportunities. We are grateful to be fully staffed, and the staff remains united, working very well together as evidenced by the impromptu outdoor worship service last week during a partial power outage. This summer has been busy on campus, and we are now so thankful to have returned to full fall programming across campus. The kickoff carnival last week Wednesday was very well attended, with many present from the surrounding community. Just a few days ago also marked the very busy start of our Wednesday community night dinner and classes, and Council expresses its deep thanks to all the volunteers and staff who make these evenings possible. As a council, alongside the Harderwijk staff, we have all just completed a five-month study of a book by Preston Sprinkle called Grace and Truth, and we are looking forward to our next study guide on what it is to be reformed, a publication of our denomination. Discussions have been thoughtful and challenging as we wrestle with our changing times. At its meeting this past Monday evening, council was also presented with an initial draft budget of for 2023 from the Harderwijk staff. This now fully staffed 2023 budget represents a 3.9% increase over this year's budget, which council felt was reasonable considering current inflationary pressures. That being said, council remains very concerned regarding overall income against the congregationally approved operating budget for this year. Our ministry was blessed to start 2022 with an operating cash position of $400,000 or about three months of budgeted expenses thanks to strong year-end giving. 
Over the last several months, operating cash has fallen to $120,000, or about one month of budgeted expenses. Your prayers for wisdom and discernment for the council and staff are de deeply appreciated as we wrestle with a budget to be presented in November. Thank you for your faithful and consistent financial support as we move into the very busy fall ministry season where expenses often peak. The Giving tab at harderwhite.com has numerous options and ways to set up reoccurring giving, as does your local banking institution. More and more people are turning to preset reoccurring giving to Harderwhite, and if you have not done so yet, we invite you to do so in the coming weeks. Consistent reoccurring giving helps make the budget planning process simpler and more predictable. Once again, thank you for your time and commitments to Harderwhite Ministries. In so many ways, it is deeply appreciated. Thanks, Todd. We've got so much to celebrate, so much to worship God for with all the programming kicking off and just how things are going. We're really excited about this, this fall season. So we just invite you today to stand with us. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Let's sing this together.
conquered death and now we can be alive in him amen so we get to lift up his name his worthy name the one who is mighty and powerful to rescue and redeem us and to give us new life in him so today we encourage you just to lift this up together we're going to sing worthy worthy holy holy we're going to lift up those words to ascribe praise to jesus name today let's sing this together All you are 
scholar of this world could grasp an inch of such infinity. Though we cannot comprehend such a mystery, just a glimpse of you revealed is compelling us to see.
Go ahead and have a seat now, and we just invite you to check out this video. Jacob had 12 sons, but his favorite was Joseph. One day, Jacob sent Joseph to check on his brothers who were working in the fields. Joseph's brothers resented him, and when they saw him coming, they attacked him and threw him in a well. Then they sold their brother as a slave, took off his coat, soaked it in goat's blood, and showed it to their father, tricking him into believing a wild animal had killed Joseph. Soon after, Joseph was sold to a military official in Egypt as a servant. God helped Joseph do great work, and the official was very happy with him. Joseph was very handsome, and the official's wife tried day after day to seduce him. One day, she pressured Joseph so much that he ran out of the house, leaving his coat behind. She told everyone that he tried to force himself on her. The official was furious and threw Joseph in jail. God once again helped Joseph in all he did. And eventually he was put in charge of all the prisoners helping run the jail. Joseph had the special ability to interpret people's dreams. One day, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, asked Joseph to interpret one of his dreams. He dreamed that seven fat cows were eaten by seven skinny cows, and seven heads of healthy grain were eaten up by seven heads of dried up grain. God helped Joseph interpret the dream. Egypt would experience seven years of successful farming, followed by seven years of famine. Pharaoh was impressed and put Joseph second in charge of Egypt. During the famine, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for food. When they got there, they met with Joseph, but didn't recognize him right away. When Joseph finally told them who he was, they wept because they were sorry for what they had done. Eventually, they went and got their father, Jacob, and brought him back to Egypt. Joseph took care of his entire family, giving them property in the best part of the land where they lived for the rest of their lives. Through fifth grade this morning, we're going to pray for you and for us. So if you'll come on over, Miss Becky will pray for us. Cadence is excited. <laughs> Good morning. Is anybody, would anyone like to pray for us this morning? I'm always going to throw that out there. Eventually, you guys are going to want to always sit in the back so I don't make eye contact, right? <laughs> All right. I will pray this morning for us. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us to your house of worship this morning. And though it may be rain and cold outside, um, we just thank you for this day. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to what you want us to learn. And may we leave this place better than the way we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. 
Have fun learning about Joseph. That's who we're going to talk about this morning, Joseph, but that's not my name. My name's Aaron, so if you don't know me, um, pastor here at Watershed, one of our campus pastors at Heart of Lake. Uh, as we are journeying through the Bible, we are still today in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. So, uh, you know, from your perspective, this itty-bitty, you know, get past the table of context, then you're into Genesis. Today's story of Joseph is bringing us to the end of the book of Genesis. Uh, we're journeying through this story, which is a collection of scripture passages. I think we actually still have some copies available for five bucks if you don't want to like go online and figure out all the different scripture passages we're reading every week, juggling those and just want it all right in front of you. So I know there are some still available um, in the lobby as you, as you go. But uh, this morning, as you got to see in our video, uh, we are hearing the story of Joseph, his, his story, I'm going to give us two words this morning, is about redemption and reconciliation. Redemption and reconciliation. To reconcile. I love this image of a puzzle because reconciling things is bringing things into harmony. It's putting the pieces, imagine a puzzle, right? It's taking all of the, the hodgepodge, I don't know, how many of you like puzzles? Okay, a few people, yeah? Yeah, um... I have to get through my OCD to put a puzzle together because when you dump out the puzzle box, I start like itching and scratching and not feeling right, okay? Because it's supposed to look like the picture on the box. I don't necessarily like the process of getting there, <laughs> right? But when you're putting a puzzle together, you're actually reconciling all of these pieces and putting them into their proper place. Right, so reconciling something is making it whole, putting things into harmony. This morning as we think about reconciling and redeeming, redeeming means to take something back that was, that was intended for a different purpose. Right, as I think about that today, I, I, I wonder if you have had a circumstance or situation in your life where you wish you had never gone through it. Anybody? Like, I... You name, we could go through a laundry list this morning, right? Of things like relationships, wish I didn't have some of those. Uh, you know, <laughs> some run ins with the lot, yep, wish I didn't do that. Um, a surgery, yeah, I knew it was necessary, wish I didn't have to. Right, but how many times I wonder would you say, okay, I, I don't ever want to go through that again, but because of it, I'm a different person? Right? Think through those moments again. How many times, even though we wouldn't want to do it again, right? Major ligament reconstruction on my left knee. I don't ever want to do that again. I don't like immobilizer braces. I don't like, you know, the pain that goes along with it. I actually didn't mind, you know, going through physical therapy. However, still don't want to go through it, but... That ligament that now exists, I've got a cool bump, I don't have shorts on, so I won't hike up my pants, so I'll save you all that. I showed one picture one time of my legs, we'll, we'll keep it there. Okay. But man, I'm glad that I have a new ligament because my knee now doesn't dislocate when I get up from a chair. It doesn't dislocate if I don't release just right on a golf swing, right? I can actually properly swing a golf club. 
right? That situation and circumstance, even though I would never want to go through it again, somehow has worked to my benefit. It's been reconciled, right? Oftentimes when we see those moments at a glance, it's like looking at a piece of the puzzle without looking at the whole. Right? Sometimes when you see the blue landscape of a sky and you're working on one of those, those, those beautiful, beautiful panoramic puzzles, right? And you're like, okay, there are seriously 150 pieces of blue. How do you do this? Right? If we're really honest, some of these circumstances, situations, times, relationships, experiences, I mean, let's be real. We don't want to go through them again. They may seem pointless, the story of Joseph, his life, circumstances that you wouldn't even wish on your worst enemy. However, what we believe as Christians is that we're not alone in those circumstances. And we have a God who takes those circumstances, even though they may have been meant for some other purpose, some evil, may have meant, been meant to harm or to hurt us or to take life from us. We have a God who doesn't let sin win. Right, if I go back a couple weeks to the first initial story of God's creation and God's promising that even though sin is broken into his perfect world, he will not let sin win. We saw through this story last week with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Man, God's not looking for heroes. He's going to work in just normal human beings like you and I that are willing to humble themselves and put their faith story in him. But in Joseph's life, what we're going to see is, man, life doesn't always work the way we want it to. But God's story is that he doesn't let those circumstances or situations win. He turns them, has the ability to turn them for good. So this morning, if you will, uh, jump with me to the end of his story. Genesis 45, we saw this in our kind of our recap video. We're watching these videos each week just so that you're caught up. Right? It's an overview of what we've read throughout the week. So if you didn't read, aren't reading, or just coming in for the first time, you kind of have an idea of where we're going. But in Genesis 45, this is what we hear, starting in verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly, the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it wasn't you. It wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father. Say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. 
God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, herds, and all you have. I'll provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor that's been accorded to me in Egypt and about everything you've seen. And bring my father down here quickly. And then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. After his brothers, afterward, his brothers talked with him. This is God's word for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Reading the end of the story in a way, how did we get here? How do we get to this point where Joseph has risen to second in command in Egypt, basically responsible for Egypt because Pharaoh's like, sweet. Right? I can sit back and let you do everything. This is great. Right? Now he's revealing himself to his brothers, who we find out in the story had sold him into slavery. Well, let me show you. This is kind of a graph of what his life looked like. Growing up, he was the beloved son of Jacob. Uh, we remember back Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a brother, Esau. They were sons of Isaac. Jacob was... Uh, got the birthright of his father uh, through some uh, deceit, deception, right? So again, humans, not heroes. We don't look at stories of fantastic people. We look at stories who are just human beings. But Joseph uh, was a favorite son to his father. And through an experience, then his brothers decide to sell him off into slavery, right? This is the slavery we know well, where we steal people. Right? And put them in the hands, in the service of others. Well, as he was in slavery, he was bought out by the, the captain of the guard, uh, Potiphar. And Potiphar, as he took him into his house, uh, Joseph showed, you know, he was, he was good, man. He was he trustworthy. He was somebody that he could rely on. As we saw in the video, he rose up to, to lead Potiphar's house, but then there was a problem. Potiphar's wife had eyes for him. And one day... She put the moves on him, and uh, Joseph took off and, yep, left some clothes behind. I'm glad their drawing was a little, not quite as, I love the, I love the videos, but sometimes, you know, it, it's good. They've, they've got a little discretion. <laughs> he jumped out the window, right? But uh, Potiphar's smart. He sided with his wife in the deal, and what happens? Joseph does the right thing and ends up where again? In jail. But Scripture tells us that the Lord was with Joseph, and again, because he had some aptitude, some wisdom, because God was actually with him, he rose then to kind of help the, temp, uh, the jailer and then help lead the jail. In that time, the cupbearer of the king and the baker to the king got thrown in jail for separate reasons, and Joseph had a knack for being able to understand visions and, and dreams, and he could interpret them. It was a God-given gift. And so he interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. And uh, somehow they go back up into Pharaoh's presence. The cupbearer lives. He rises to acclaim. Woohoo! The baker um, dies. <laughs> and this is what the dreams had predicted, had said would happen. 
But in the midst of that, you would think the cupbearer would remember Joseph, right? Man, this dude, oh, he told me my dream, woohoo! But no, Joseph was again forgotten. For two years, he sat in jail, forgotten, until one day when Pharaoh had a dream that he couldn't interpret. And they were looking for anyone in the land who could make sense of it. And a cupbearer remembered. Might have forgotten him for a couple years, but remembered in just a moment that there was this guy in jail, Joseph, who God had gifted with an ability. And in turn, Joseph speaks Pharaoh, right? And it helps him understand the dream, helps him make sense. And, and Pharaoh sees wisdom in Joseph. And what happens? Joseph rises to second in command. But quite a life, right? Ups and downs. This is about 13 years of his life. He was enslaved when he was 17. We don't know how long he was in jail in this time, but man, talk about a roller coaster. Anybody ever live that? Ups, downs. Right, as we think about his story, this lower story, we've been throughout this series talking about kind of what's happening on ground level, human level, and then what's going on in God's story, the upper story. On the lower story, when we think about Joseph's life, I can say this, playing favorites never wins. When Isaac played favorites to his sons uh, Esau and Jacob, part of that led Jacob to do some deception instead of trusting in a promise. Now Jacob played favorites with his sons, gave his son Joseph this fancy, fantastic robe. Jacob played favorites with his wives as well. So none of that led to anything that ended real well. In the lower story of Joseph, a lack of humility harms. Right? We don't know how much when, when Joseph had dreams early on as a kid and he goes spouting them off to his brothers, we don't know if he's just complete ignorant. <laughs> like, hey, pay attention to the room. Emotional IQ here, folks. Right? <laughs> or if he's just cocky. Okay, how many of you have got that little sibling that was a little cocky? No, I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> right? But a lack of humility ends up harming people. How about this? Jealousy, envy of brothers, it destroys. They end up literally selling their brother into slavery. To Ishmaelites, mind you, the other son of Abraham, giving him off not to the promise of God, but to something else. How about this? We look at the ups and downs of his life, but what his story tells us is, you know, sometimes you can do the right thing and still lose. Joseph's life wasn't one where it was, do the right thing and the right thing will always happen for you. No, actually, a lot of times he did the right thing and then the next turn was something that ended up seemingly worse. Sometimes our lives happen that way, right? We wonder, God, I've been doing it the right way. I've been doing what you've asked. I, I've been actually, I, I think I've been, I, I've been everywhere you've placed me and I've shown up, but still, why? Right? We need, again, a story of a God who redeems, reconciles. And finally, sometimes we're simply forgotten. Sometimes it feels like we're just skating through. We're trying to do what we need to do, but nobody's really paying attention. Right? This is the lower story. 
And I don't know about you, but if we're stuck in this lower story, life gets pretty depressing, doesn't it? It ends simply with a pile of puzzle pieces, and we're like, we don't know how this is ever going to get put back together. How about this, a pile of puzzle pieces where you didn't get the box. Have you ever gotten that puzzle? Yeah, the Ziploc baggie. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But imagine this, right? There is a box. There is something else going on. There is an upper story. One of their truths is this, that God is always with us, working in the midst of our stories, even when it may not seem like it. There's two truths sort of wrapped in that statement. God is with us. Pause. One of the realities of our circumstances in those situations is oftentimes our first inclination is he's not, right? Because life isn't going well. We've bought the the story hook, line, and sinker that if we do good, good happens. We believe in more yin and yang than we actually do on the reality of the truth of life. We believe karma is more real in our lives than actually God's story. The reality is this, no matter what's happening, God is with us. Throughout Joseph's life, you see constantly that truth reminded over and over. And God was with Joseph when he was in jail. And God was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house. And God was with Joseph when he was in jail again. And God was with him over those two years. And God was with him. God gave him the ability We may not see it, but the truth for us, the good news for us, is even if we are in the pit, we aren't alone. And God is always working, because why? We know this truth. He doesn't let the brokenness of life win. That's what we mean by doesn't let sin win. Sin isn't just our moral failings. You've heard me say this before if you've been around, but I'm going to say it again and I'm going to keep saying it again. Sin, yes, has morality tied to it, but a lot of times sin is the junk, the brokenness of life happening on us and to us for no reason other than Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's been his purpose ever since the beginning. Mess up God's good, very good creation and us with it. And his, his goal is to make us think we're God's or at least doubt God. He doesn't want us to believe that God is with you in the valley. He doesn't want us to believe that God is always working to turn our situation, to redeem it, to take it back, to reconcile it, make it make sense in a bigger picture. But see, that's what God does. God is able to reconcile and redeem our stories. What does he say to his brothers in verses 5 and 6? God did this, like in the midst of this, he's working out a plan to save, to preserve his his story and, and people, millions of people. Because of Joseph, literally Egypt had storehouses full of grain to, to, to take care of the then known world. Not because Joseph was just a genius, but it was because God was working in him and through him, and God wouldn't let slavery get in the way, wouldn't let prison get in the way. God was going to work good out for way more people than just Joseph and Joseph himself. 
And in the midst, what do we see? He's reconciled to his brothers. Because Joseph can see this story. That God was with him. God was restoring things. That that's the way God works. He was able to forgive his brothers. Because he had a different picture. Right? He was operating from a different place. He knew to go back, knew to go back at his brothers wasn't going to change their hearts. He knew the story that we know that love is what creates love. Not hatred. Not fear. Forgiveness has the ability to lead towards healing. Not simply carrying it with us over and over and over. I want to take us to Genesis 50. Because we think, okay, the story's over. But no, five more chapters happen. And uh, Jacob's around, so the brothers... I think this is more a story of the brothers in Genesis 50 than it is actually Joseph. But in Genesis 50, starting in verse 15, we hear this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, so Jacob has now died, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? See, in between Genesis 45 and 50, you never hear again Joseph go, you know what, let me think about getting after my brothers when the time's right. When Genesis 45 happens, he weeps, he he forgives his brothers. That's the last we hear until now uh, of Joseph thinking anything ill or or how do I get back at him, right? We, 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 We tend to think that in his heart, matters settled and good. But the brothers are thinking, what if? What if the conditionality of life, what if? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. (laughs) So now a little deception again, right? We can't get it out of the family. The sins of the father keep lasting to third and fourth generations. This is what your father, what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came through themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. At what point did Joseph ever consider them slaves? He called them brothers. And here they are saying, We're your slaves. But Joseph said to him, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? He's functioning off of a different story. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And then we hear this, and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Sometimes in our lower story, the hardest person to forgive is ourselves. Amen? For Joseph, forgiveness was like that of God's. What's done is done. For them, 
their fear. Right? The conditions, the if-thens, the what-ifs ruled their life. They couldn't live into a reality because they were still operating by a lower story, right? Their perspective was, this is the way us human beings do it, right? When I get my chance, I'm going to get you. But that isn't God's story. God's story is one to rescue, to redeem, to restore. Even when we fail, even when we spit in his face, we will find out that the grand story is he will take our sin on himself. He will reconcile us to himself, and it's all on him. In Abraham, we see a glimpse of that. He walks through this blood path. Twice, he takes both ends of the bargain. Right, The brothers, and oftentimes I, live in this same story. It's the if-then, it's the what-it, it's the ways of the world. That's my thinking. I struggle to forgive myself still of boneheaded things I did as a teenager. Because I think, how can God possibly forgive? But the upper story remains. I mean, that's the good news. The good news of our lives is God's forgiveness is complete. It's complete. It is finished. We live where people invited into a reality of doneness. Not get her done. A finished reality. That's why here at Watershed we talk about freedom, friendship, rest in the finished work of Jesus. This is where we get to live and be. This is how we'll grow. Love transforms our heart to love. Not fear. Not harm. Not conditions. God forgives. And again, what what does Joseph do for his brothers? He reassures them. Let me reassure you this morning. God's story is one of reconciling and redeeming our stories. He will not let sin win. He will not let you remain in that pit for no purpose at all. He can take back the things that we just, we can't comprehend. But remember, we're dealing with the God of the world who loves us and is for us, not against us. And while we may never want to walk through them again, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't trade those times and those experiences of my life because I am different. And it's only God who allows us to live in that tension, in that space of being able to say, yeah, That was horrible. And yet, I don't, I'm different. And I've grown because of it. Because in the middle of it, it is God putting the pieces together for us. One more piece of the upper story is this that it's a gift. It's a gift when someone models this for us, isn't it? When we take the upper story of God's reconciling, putting the pieces together, helping us have a whole life of redeeming those those mistakes, when somebody steps in and says, I forgive you, and lets it actually be complete. Brothers, sisters, man, that is a gift of God. 
And if we know that God redeems and reconciles our story, it continues to be a gift that we can give to others. We can continue to be, as a watershed community, amidst a heart white community. Right? Our, our vision is to invite people into a journey of being found and formed by following Jesus. Right? It's entering this story. While we may say a finished work here, you know, it, it can be said in all kinds of ways. We're inviting people into a, a community of grace and mercy. A community that says, hey, listen, you're on a journey, I'm on a journey, and we're all at different points in this journey, and praise God, we're in it together. We're going to have to forgive each other. You know what? The world doesn't forgive, but we will, and we're going to have to because guess what? We're human beings. But maybe we'll be a community that actually practices it. Maybe we'll be a community that actually learns to do that with one another that endures and bears with each other's messes and junk. Why? Because we believe that there's something more and we're part of something bigger. But we can be a gift to others when we let God's story of reconciliation and redemption live and be part of ours, just as Joseph was to his brothers. Our final question just for us today is this. Is our story... Our story as a community, and then is your story particularly as an individual being marked? I'm going to say being marked. I have it, is your story marked? But, but I want to grab onto that journey because we're never going to arrive. Is our story being marked by the truth that God can reconcile and redeem? My guess is we've got a lot of stories that are in that process. And I just want to remind you this morning, God's putting the pieces back together. There's something bigger at play. And God is working something different to not let the brokenness win, not let the sin win, not let those empty, lonely times win. He's with us. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for being with us. Thank you that in Joseph's life we can see a story of hills and valleys that probably reflect a lot of our own. And so again, God, we maybe don't see a hero, but we see a human being who, God, maybe we can relate to a little bit more today. Help us relate to his story. God, help us to trust in the truth that you are with us and you're always working. Lord, we may not always know how or why we're allowed to go through what we're going. For many of us, I, I think we have a, at least a laundry list of questions for you when we meet you one day. Where we'd love to see the bigger puzzle all pieced together. But for now, it feels like sometimes we're just left with a piece. But Lord, help us to see the next piece. And the piece around it, and the next one, and the next one after that, so that we can grab a glimpse of what you see in its entirety. Help us to trust, Lord, that, that you're not going to let 
a particular moment, a particular mistake, a particular failing, a particular time of brokenness. Win. Lord, give us the gift that Joseph got to see. An upper story. That we get to see, Lord, that you, you do redeem and reconcile. Father, this, may this be true across our campus. May this be true, Lord, as we engage others. God, use us to be ambassadors, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Not only saying that we've been restored to you, but Lord, that we can help others pick up the pieces. That we can help others be pointed to you. Lord, maybe it's just in the way we listen this week and give an ear to a friend or a coworker. Maybe it's a moment uh, where, where you've called us to step in and, and offer a bit of wisdom, even though we didn't know it. Or that moment where we do. But Lord, if we do, may we do so in humility. God, maybe it's that moment in that time where just in how we live towards others and react towards them and, and treat them, people can see something different. But Lord, work in us for your sake, your glory. God, again, help our story to be marked by yours. And thank you that oftentimes when we see an end, you have something much bigger in store. Lead us, guide us. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us. And Lord, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing a, a song of response. I, uh, I heard a comedian one time say something to the degree of, ever since I was born, it's been one thing after another. I got a good chuckle out of that, but I think there's a, a sense of truth in that, right? That the events of life, we never know if we're going to have these high mountaintop moments or these valleys and pits and, and low places. But that's kind of the journey, right? And even our, our kind of vision statement, joining in the journey of following Jesus, means that we're going to have highs and lows, but God is with us. And so what do we do in the middle of that? We look to God. We seek him. We look to the upper story. And so today, we just invite you to sing this with us as a song of response to sing, yes, I will in those valleys. Yes, I will when my heart is heavy. Yes, I will wherever I'm at in this journey. I will still look to you. I will still sing to you. I will still praise your name. So let's sing this together this morning.
that yes, I will is an act of faith. I said this last week, I'll say it again. All God needs is an inch. He'll take it a mile. The desire to want faith is an act of faith. There's a father, Jesus, brought his son to Jesus. Lord, heal. You believe? I don't, I don't know. Help me in my unbelief. And what did Jesus see in that? Faith. God, help me as much an act as having it all together. So don't think that you have to have it all together. Just be willing to take the next step, and he'll take you. Amen? I want to just remind you a couple quick things. Uh, first off, uh, the the Wake picnic out at, the, at Tunnel Park next week. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to get rained on. So <laughs> next week, 12 to 2. And then uh, this week, Friday, our Ireland team, uh, which... I'm going to get to go on uh, to see Luke and Greystones Nazarene and their community. Um, so just pray for us when we're over there uh, trying to bless partners in ministry over in Dublin, south of Dublin. Pray for our group of folks from Watershed, folks from Celebration Fusion. So um, if you would, keep us in your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, we leave Friday. So, But beyond that, just know um, that you always get to go with God's blessing. That's why I say this blessing every week, because it's God's blessing, not mine, for you. So receive God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you, and cause his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smile, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children say, amen. Go in peace, hang out if you want, uh, if you don't mind stacking a couple, two, three chairs, we'd appreciate it.